Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our meditation this morning, taken from Mark's Gospel, the first chapter, listen again to verse 27. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. So far our text, you may be seated. You're not the boss of me. As I was growing up, I heard those words often, but they didn't come from my lips. They were uttered by my four younger sisters and brother. Because, you see, when I was deemed old enough, mom and dad would go out for the evening and they would leave me in charge. Did I abuse my newfound authority? Absolutely, the way that only an older brother can and always will. I began to issue orders to my subservient siblings. Clean up the dishes. The couch is mine. Turn the channel for me. And the result, my underlings revolted. There was an uprising in the parsonage. You can't tell us what to do. They proclaimed you are not the boss of me. Well, here's the segue to that little story. What I want to know this morning is, who is the boss in your life? Who calls the shots? Who gets the last word? When, when it comes to you, who or what is the final authority? Well, that depends now, doesn't it? Because sometimes authority is all about who someone is. It's about identity. Teenagers, until you reach a certain age, your parents have authority over you. And legally, there's not much you can do about that. If you hold down a job, well, then you are accountable to the authority of your boss or your manager, your supervisor, foreman, whatever they call themselves, from the time you clock in until the time you clock out. And sometimes you have to answer to the authority of government. And that's even true for our church. A couple of years ago, the city of Hermantown started charging our church a stormwater fee based upon the square footage of our roof and parking lot. And because they call it a fee and not a tax, we couldn't appeal to our tax-exempt status. We had to ante up and bow before the town of Herman's authority. Sometimes authority is all about identity, who someone is. But this thing that we call authority, it's also often dependent upon the amount of power or influence or control someone or something has over your life. I, mean, I really didn't have power over my brother and my sisters, and so really I had no authority. But some people do have power over you, don't they? 
How do you feel when you see those flashing red lights in your rear view and the police officer pulls you over? Or when the property tax assessment comes in the mail? Or when your teacher emails your parents? Or the results of the hockey tryouts are posted online? And the reason those authorities make you squirm a little bit is because each of them has power. They have clout. They control you. You don't control them. Power has much to say about authority, doesn't it? And then there's this. Because sometimes instead of identity or power, sometimes authority has to do with love. If you ask my wife, who's the boss in our house? Without hesitation, without blinking an eye, she will tell you that she is. And if you ask me, I will just as fervently proclaim that I am the big cheese around our domicile. And we would both be correct. Out of love, I defer to her. Out of love, I place her needs before my needs. But here's the deal. Out of love, she does exactly the same thing for me. We make sacrifices for each other. Learned it from Jesus. Sometimes authority and the way authority is wielded has to do with love. All right, thus ends the first part of the sermon. And for the second part, we turn to our text, Mark chapter 1, and we see, we see the people react, and they're amazed at what? The authority of Jesus. For there Jesus is teaching in the Capernaum synagogue as traveling rabbis were prone to do back then. And suddenly his lesson is interrupted by a demon-possessed man, certainly familiar uh, with all of the locals. And then things began to get interesting. And what happens is that the demon-possessed man recognizes and confesses Christ's true identity. You're Jesus of Nazareth, he shouts. And if that weren't enough, the next words out of his mouth are these. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And that's a Messiah name, isn't it? That's a Son of God uh, name. And to put that in perspective, it will be two and a half years in the future before the disciples make the same confession and correctly ID their Lord. So this man, half shocked, half in awe, this demon-possessed uh, man, he's compelled. He can't help but do this. He can't help but to confess Christ's name as any of Satan must also be compelled. And why? He knows who Jesus is. And authority goes hand in hand with identity. But authority also goes hand in hand with power, doesn't it? Is this man controlled by Satan afraid of the power of Jesus? Sure he is. Listen to his question. And this is such an awesome and wonderful and really a beautiful uh, question. He says, have you come to destroy us? And oh, how I wish Jesus would have answered him. Okay, too early in his ministry, though, to do that. Just wasn't the time or place uh, yet. But Jesus could have so easily said, yep, 
That's exactly why I have come, to destroy your master and all who follow him. I've come to step on your master's head, that old snake. I've come to defeat his worst temptations. I've come to buy back with my blood all the souls that he has stolen. I have come uh, to die so that those souls can live. And you know what? I'm going to laugh at death. Okay, when I walk out of my grave on an Easter dawn and the day is coming, demon, when I will command one of my the lesser angels to throw your Satan into the eternal abyss and lock the door and throw away the key forever. Have I come to destroy you? That's exactly why I'm here and what I will do. Should have said that. But instead of those words, Jesus simply looks at the man, nods his head, and the demon leaves his human host with a shriek and heads back to hell to give Satan fair warning. And I'll bet Satan trembled in his pointy little boots on that day. He knew Jesus had authority, and he knows he has the power to back it up. Okay. Take a pause, grab a breath. The last part of the sermon returns to our original question. Who is the boss in your life? When it comes to you, who or what is the final authority? And that's such a great question. It's pertinent, now, especially today especially in our culture, when so many in our society would answer the question this way, and this is, you know, postmodernist thinking at its finest or at its worst, whatever you want to say, because those folks would say, well, well, I'm the boss of me. I decide what's right and wrong for me. I don't need to be told, you know, how to live my life. I don't need anyone's commandments. I don't need any authority except for my own. And I would ask them, well, how's that worldview, how's that way of thinking and living working out these days? Because when yours is the only life that matters, then who cares about the unborn or the homeless or the aged? And when yours is the only opinion that matters, who cares about the thoughts or the viewpoints or the opinions of others. Why care about your neighbor at all? You know, I think this explains much of the hate that we see in our world today. And if you're the only authority that matters, then go, fund, uh, go ahead, defund the police, trash your civic leaders, and turn your back on all things that have to do with religion. And as long uh, as everyone is doing their own thing, you might as well go the extra yard and turn men into women and women into men. I mean, what could the harm possibly be in that? You see, don't you, believing that the boss of you is you is just another way of playing God. And that's impossible because there's only one God and he most certainly isn't you and he most certainly isn't me. Now here's the kicker, all right? It turns out that you do have a boss after all. 
There is someone who is the ultimate boss of you and the ultimate boss of me. And though it might be hard for many to admit, you are the creature, you are not the creator. Father, Son, Holy Spirit created you just as the Bible says. This means that Jesus is your boss. This means that Jesus Christ, by default, is the highest authority uh, in your life. And so listen now while I give you three reasons why you must submit to his authority. Reason number one, submit to Jesus. Let him be the Lord in your life because you know who he is. Identity. And what does the Bible say? What does it say who Jesus is? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became what? Flesh. Okay. I and the Father are one. He who has seen me has seen the Father who sent me. Jesus Christ has the authority of God because he is God. You know that. You know who he is. And that's why he should be your Lord. Reason number two, submit to Christ's authority because he has power. He has power. I mean, ask the demons. They always know, don't they? Ask the leprous whom Jesus gave new skin. Ask the bartender at Cana's wedding feast. He knows. Ask the kid whose fish and chips fed thousands. Ask Peter whose tootsies stepped on the waves. Ask Lazarus who lived and died and then lived again. Ask the hundreds of eyewitnesses who saw Jesus alive again after he kicked his own death to the curb on an Easter dawn. Ask them, they will tell you, Jesus must be your Lord because he has power. And then lastly comes the best reason of all, submit to Christ's authority because he loves you. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. As the Father has loved me, so also I love you. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Walk in love as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us. And then Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. And so I ask you today, who is the boss of you? Who has the last word? Who is the ultimate authority in your life? You know, in the end, it's up to you to decide this. But I know one thing. The boss of you isn't you. Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.